0: Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question. So what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men, and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big, and ultimately, how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Kylie Rogers is someone who knows a thing or two about marketing. After 17 years working in sales and marketing with Channel 10, it was actually a comment from her six-year-old son that jolted her into realising that she had to make a change in her career. After a break with her family, she eventually landed the role of National Sales Director with the largest independent women's website, Mamma Mia, and has gone on to become the Managing Director. Kylie was such a delight and shared openly about the struggles and successes of stepping into a leadership role. She talked about her personal non-negotiables, her tools that she absolutely employs every single week and why we all need to just breathe it's also important to mention that this podcast was recorded two days after the announcement that donald trump had won the u.s election as we make mention of this in our conversation kylie is warm honest and real and i'm sure that you will enjoy our conversation together Kylie, welcome to the studio. Great to connect with you today. Ali, so great to connect with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, look, it's it's awesome. And there's so much I want to dive into, but I want to, I guess I want to start by asking you the moment, because you've had 17 years working with Channel 10, <laughs> which did. is a, a whole career and a lifetime and it's on its own. So tell me about the day that you started the very first day that you started at Mamma Mia. After having 17 years knowing an industry, knowing a a culture, knowing all of your work colleagues and then walking into a brand new culture and a brand new set of work colleagues, what was that like? Well,
1: I was nervous and uh, it was a bit of an alien feeling to me because I was so comfortable and I had been so comfortable for 17 years at Channel 10. Um... And Mamma Mia was the absolute corollary to what I had experienced at Channel 10. Mamma Mia, at the time, was a startup. It was run by women, with 30 women working for the the founder, Mia Friedman. So it was small, it was digital, it was progressive, and um, it was very feminine. Uh, Channel 10, of course, massive, traditional, slow, run by men. So I was excited about... That difference, but I was as nervous as hell. Um, what my did husband? You do? Well, my husband had quit his job about four months earlier. I had quit Channel 10 about four months earlier. We'd been overseas with the kids and we'd had a lovely time. I didn't know if I was ready to get back into the work thing. But, you know, I, I got up early. I got my clothes on. I, I have a pretty positive attitude normally. But I said, okay, Kylie, it's okay to be nervous, just be soft. So I arrived, had a coffee with my boss. Uh, Look, you don't do much on your first day. Let's be frank. The first day is actually the easiest when you look back at hindsight. So I chatted with the team, um, got to know them as best as I could over the next few weeks and just tried to enjoy myself. And I did enjoy myself. And I thought to myself, this
0: is exactly where I want to be today. Amazing. So that must have been a nice relief to get to the end of that and go, OK, this was the it right was, decision. It was. It
1: was. It was overwhelming too because it was a digital environment. And remember, I had sold 30-second TV spots for 17 years, very traditional, and I had a lot to learn in the digital space. So I'd be going home at night Googling what the heck these people were talking about because they really didn't understand. And that was nice as well because I had realised I'd forgotten the feeling of learning. I'd learnt a lot in my 17 years, but the last four years I probably hadn't learnt too much. So it was nice to be overwhelmed by that feeling of, oh, wow, I'm learning something new. And some muscle again, isn't it, to
0: actually tap back into that. Using that muscle, exactly. What prompted the decision to join Mamma Mia?
1: Um, I'll I'll talk about why I left 10 first. Ten was an extraordinary company and I grew up there. I started, it's like, I think it was my 21st birthday, actually, was the day I started back in February 1997. And, you know, I grew up as a person over those 17 years. I met my husband at Channel 10 and I had three babies at 10 and and Channel 10 were fantastic to me over that period. And it worked until it didn't, until I realised I'm burnt out I'm no longer learning. This isn't working for me. And Was that, I was, a,
0: was that a moment that you realised that? It really was, was a moment. Slow... Look,
1: to be honest with you, and it's a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to talk about, my son, and I don't know how old he was at the time, it was my eldest son, he might have been six or seven, and he's an old soul. And I tried to get him in the bath. You know what it's like, you're coming home from work late, you're exhausted. I was pushing him to get in the bath. Ten minutes later, get out of the bath, get out of the bath. And he started bawling his eyes out. And I went in and I said, sweetheart, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you, I just want you out of the bath. And he said, it's not that, Mum. I, I just don't know why you're so sad. Oh, I don't wow. know why you get home from work every night and you just complain to Dad about how bad a day you've had. Oh, oh that was my moment.
0: Out of the mouth that of babes, my right? That was So,
1: I, you know, I talked to my husband about it and I was... I was fortunate in the sense my husband was going through the same thing. He'd been at Tabcorp for 10 years and we both needed a change. And it was that one moment that my son was so honest and said, you're always unhappy. And I work for so many different reasons. And one of them is to be a bit of a role model to my kids, to show them that you can be more than just a mum. And I don't mean just a mum as a derogatory thing, Mm. um, that we're, you know, multidimensional. And, yeah, so that was my moment. Yeah, did that sit with you? It sat with me for a long time and that's why it took me a little while to work out where to go next. And, you know, I spoke to a lot of different businesses and were offered a few roles, all in large corporations. And this little company called Mamma Mia had rung. I thought, Mamma Mia? I I wasn't a consumer of Mamma Mia at the time. I thought it was just a small mummy blog, to be frank. I knew Mia Friedman. I thought, I'll give it a go and I'll have a chat to them. And I just was overwhelmed by their core purpose, their vision. Uh, Our core purpose is to be a second home for women where they can love, laugh and learn. And everything we do is about making women feel great about themselves inside and out. And that resonated a bit with me. I I didn't really feel 10 ever had a purpose or I didn't feel like I, I resonated with that purpose. Um, and you know, they were a startup with real ambitions, they were future-proofing themselves. I could see that I could learn a lot off my boss, and I wanted to learn again. I certainly wanted to immerse myself in the world of digital. And I took a risk. And I'm, you know, I think it's two and a half years now. I'm the managing director of the business. I run the business for Mia and her husband. And it's really rewarding. I I feel like my Purpose is aligned with my professional career, and that's that's a good thing. Mm.
0: Do you feel like you're happier? Yeah, Would your my son gosh, notice? you know my best <laughs> friends
1: um, can see a completely different me, which is frightening to a degree because you don't realise how unhappy you you become over time. Um, I was burnt out, and they clearly saw that, and they can see a different Kylie. I'm just far more relaxed. I've got more time for people. I'm energised. By the way, let me be clear: there are days yeah, where it's hard, it's challenging. Yeah. But but all in all, I'm a far happier person. Yeah. yeah. My husband I mean, sees it. My kids are thrilled. Yeah. You know, I was in the shower one morning with my kids, and one of them said, "I oh, wouldn't it be nice to stay at home today with you, Mum." I said, "But I guess I could quit my job, and we and I could do that every day with you." And one of them said, "In fact, it was my eldest." He said, oh, no, don't do that. You're really good at your job. Oh, isn't that beautiful? And I thought, oh, well, that's nice. That's nice. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. All good. So, obviously, aligning with that purpose. And if, given your experience, you can crave being around women who are going to be supportive of where you want to go and what you want to yeah, achieve. Uh, uh, yeah. And I've,
1: I've really seen that. You know, I thought, oh, at the time, there were about 30 staff at Mamma Mia and all women. I thought, oh, I don't know what that's going to be like because I had worked predominantly with men my whole career, and I tell you, we've now got 120 women. There's a couple of men. And it is the most supportive environment I've ever been in. Diversity is important, so we we do need more men. You need a good balance. But I, you know, I've, I've adored being around supportive girls, supportive women, supportive mums, who understand the challenges in life, that understand the balance and the juggle of being a working mum. And, you know, we just roll up our sleeves and
0: support each other and get the job done. Now that you're in a position of leading that, what's the... How do you keep creating that supportive environment? Because I imagine there's that takes work. It doesn't just happen. No. So what kind of strategies do you do or how, yeah, do, how do you a, help it's create that? Yeah, a good
1: that? question. Um, I'm very supportive of flex arrangements. A lot of our staff are part-time workers. A lot of our staff, if they are five day a week workers, work from home on one or two days. And that's important, particularly for mums, just to have maybe one day where they can go and drop the kids off in their pyjamas, come home and settle into the working week or the working day. So flex is a big thing. We allow our staff to buy extra annual leave because, you know, you're a mum, Ellie, school holidays are a tricky experience if
0: both parents are working. Yeah. Yeah, you end up doing both parenting and working pretty badly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you do.
1: So our girls and boys can buy extra annual leave. And we just talk about making sure... We all have the tools around us to get through the working week. My tools are Pilates, Monday lunchtime and Friday lunchtime. They're scheduled. I need to bookend the week. I need to remember how to breathe properly. And they're just the two thing, things that work for me. Yep. Everyone else has their tools. My sales director is on a meditation retreat as we speak. She She's big on that and that's what she needs to do. And when times are tough, I remind my staff, don't drop your tools.
0: Are they non-negotiable?
1: They're non-negotiable. Obviously, when there's some critical Mm. things where we have to drop everything and, you know, work for a client or do whatever. But yeah, we try and make them non-negotiable. We have wellness weeks. We have programs that that support our staff uh, inside and out. And yeah, we're big on that.
0: Yeah, and it's the conversations that we have to have and it's kind of crazy that organisations are pushing back, so I love to hear that you it's guys are really leading the charge. Yeah,
1: you know? we we try to. Um, and I think that's why we're attracting great talent because, you know, those little extra things are going to allow you to attract great talent and retain great talent. So it's not unusual for... My EA is actually a professional yoga teacher, Handy. Yeah. So I didn't hire her because
0: of that. Um, but but she, she teaches you to breathe. She teaches, well, she teaches yoga. Beautiful.
1: At lunch times with staff members. Um, she reminds me to breathe. We have a podcast studio in our offices and I can see girls go in there and just close the door and take a breather or do whatever they need to do. Um, so, yeah, it's it's live in our environment and, you know, I think that's pretty important.
0: Yeah. So I want to take you back to uh, you, the start of your career. What attracted you to marketing?
1: Well, it's a good question. I I studied psychology and film and television at Monash in Melbourne. I'm a Melbourne girl. I actually wanted to be a criminal psychologist. Right. And I went to enrol in criminal justice administration and my mum drove me out to the open day in Coburg where Pentridge used to be. The jail. And I loved every minute of it, but the hour drive home, she convinced me it would be a <laughs> pretty sad work. Is it mum's protective. Mum's protective. <laughs> so I ended up doing psychology. Um, cut a long story short, when I finished my degree, because I did film and telly and psych, I I, was sort of, I didn't know whether I'd do another year of honours for psychology or i go and work in the film and TV world. I handed out my resume to, I reckon, about 120 different places. And Channel 10 offered me this role as a sales assistant in the sales department, selling advertising. And I had no idea what that meant. But I made a call at the time to give it a go. I thought, if I don't like it, I'll always go back to psych. And um, I just thrived in that environment. I adored it. What did you love about it? I loved the interaction with people. And I loved the diversity of the week. Um, as a salesperson, you are talking to clients and what we call media buyers that work at media agencies on an hourly and daily basis. I am naturally a people person. Every day was different. I got to understand various industries because you'd go and have a meeting with Ford and understand the Ford and the automotive industry and then after lunch you'd go and have a meeting with Unilever and get to understand the FMCG category and it was just wildly interesting and and exciting days um, they were the heady days of advertising and marketing and we had a lot of fun it never ever felt like work I got promoted and we moved to Sydney I got pr- promoted out of Sydney to Brisbane I did 15 months in Brisbane. I rolled my car off Mount Cootha, which is a oh, long long wow. wow, story. <laughs> but, but post that, I really wanted to move back home to Melbourne. I did that for a little while and then came back to Sydney in 2003. So all that time I was with Channel 10. All right. Um, I, I can't say I've ever been passionate about advertising per se, but I have been passionate about my roles and coming up with great advertising solutions for my clients. Um, and, yeah, that's carried me in good stead and, and got me to the point where I am today. Do you and think, it's never felt like
0: work. Yeah, beautiful. Do you think that's where psychology and marketing come together? No doubt. Yep. No doubt. And I often talk about
1: uh, what I learnt at university doing psych has allowed me, I think, to be as successful as I am today because in sales and in marketing, yes, you use the, the tools of psychology.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned before Mamma Mia is a digital native uh, kind of agency, and you've had to step in and, and you've learnt in the last couple mm-hmm. of years how mm-hmm. that's run and mm-hmm. and probably have your finger on the pulse of really what women want in Australia. It's almost like the age old question what do, what, women, what do want? women want? What do women want? What do want? women want? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so women want to be spoken to in an authentic manner. They want to be spoken to as an individual, they don't want to be characterized categorised, excuse me. Uh, Women want personalised media and intimate kinds of content on their terms. And that is why podcasts have become a big thing for women. Um, We survey probably about 60,000 Australian women a year. And we are successful because... We have the finger on the pulse of what they want and we're trying to deliver them what they want before they know what they want. Um, and I don't know if you're into Serial, which was a podcast that came out of the States in right. 2014. No. It's about a real-life court case. and
0: I've heard of
1: it but yeah, I haven't listened it to it. And it was it sort of the first that. time that a podcast globally has become mainstream. Mm, yeah. And my boss Mia was so right, she came into the office the next day or one of the days that everyone was talking about cereal and she said, no-one's doing great audio content for women in Australia. Let's do it. So we put together a makeshift podcast studio and, um, and we launched our first podcast, which was Mamma Mia Out Loud. Mamma Mia is what women are talking about today. And Mamma Mia Out Loud is what women are talking about this week. So a weekly news and opinion podcast. Within six months, we'd had a million downloads. iTunes awarded us the best new podcast of the year. And we thought, oh, we're onto something here. Um, Fast forward two years and we produce 18 podcasts a week. Everything from parenting to wellness to news and opinion to celebrity interviews. Beautiful thing about podcasts, women are on the go. They're starving for content, but there's a limit to screen time. And because they're multitasking, you can absorb that content and listen on the go. You know, we're always with our mobiles in our hands mm. and our women are telling us that they are mostly listening to podcasts when they're cooking, when they're cleaning, when they're exercising and when they're travelling.
0: Right, so that's why it trumps video, which seems to be the, the new thing, but audio is really powerful. Correct, exactly mm. right.
1: Um, and and screen time and, and video will always play a role, and our women love that. But, yeah, there's a limit to it. So the audio, they sneak in the audio on the go, which is working really well. And the beautiful thing about podcasts is you can go deep discussing certain themes and certain topics, and you can do that in a very fast manner. You know, you need to keep up with the speed of pop culture to be relevant with women today, because they're absorbing so much, they're loving TV shows, they're loving things that are topical today and aren't topical tomorrow, and so you've got to keep up with that speed. And podcasts allow for that. So um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really passionate about that space, and and we're getting some great results. Yeah. we did a um, special election podcast on Wednesday.
0: Oh my gosh! You know, we all, what a, yeah, what a week it's been. Oh, good well, morning, right? Yeah.
1: And I can't tell you the number of phone calls and emails we're receiving from Australian women saying, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing how we feel about Trump and what this means globally.
0: And so, yeah, it's resonating. Obviously, women want to get a, be part of the conversation and listen to the conversation. So
1: women want to have an always-on conversation, mm-hmm. an always-on conversation with their friends, with their family. And we talk to our clients about with brands. Women don't want to be shouted to. For six weeks and then not spoken to for another eight. They want to have an always on conversation with you. And if brands aren't having always on conversations, they're not going to resonate. So, podcasts allows for that.
0: Yeah, I love it. You're the first guest where, because usually I ask people, you know, what is it you want to talk about? And you came on and said, podcast, I want to talk about podcasts. So, here we are on a podcast talking <laughs> I know, about it's, podcasts. It's ironic, isn't it? It's perfect. It's but I, yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely the conversations. What makes a good podcast? I'm just going to pick your brains, right? Yeah, you? No, no, no. <laughs> um, what makes a good podcast? Authenticity. Credibility,
1: good storytelling and good production.
0: Yeah, yeah, sound quality is key, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to step into another story then. Obviously your role, you've gone from National Sales Manager with Mamma Mia and now into General Manager. Yes. Was that a decision where you approached and I guess... My question behind that is stepping into a leadership role. Often what we know from the research is that women hold themselves back until they have all the skills and then I'll put my hand up they for the job. absolutely Did you put your hand up? Did you do it before you thought you were ready? And what do we need to encourage women to do to do that more? We
1: need to encourage women to have more confidence. Mm. You're absolutely right. Unless a woman, and we're generalising a bit here and we've got to be careful of that, but most women will not apply for a role unless they look at that JD and they tick every box. And then they think to themselves, I probably won't get it, but I'll give it a go. Men might tick one of those boxes and they fake it until they make it. And I work really hard on myself to be more like that. You know, we we have imposter syndrome. I don't know why, but... We always feel like we're not good enough to be in the role we're in. Have you had to deal with that? All my life. All my life. Um, How do you address that? I just remind... My husband's wonderful and he always reminds me I'm good enough and that's helpful. My dad's been a great supporter of mine and my mum and they always remind me I'm good enough. But ultimately you've got to convince yourself, right? And I, you know, I've worked 17 years with men and I I was as good as them. And over time, it's been 20 years now I've been in this industry, over time you get that belief. Um, I always wanted to move into a more general management role after being sales director, and that was one of the reasons why I went to Mamma Mia because I had spoken to the CEO at the time saying, I won't come here unless there's that opportunity. Clearly I've got to prove myself as a sales director first, but unless you're open to having that discussion, I'm not going to come.
0: Mm. And he was open to that. Yeah. What were you interested about, stepping into that um, I, I look, I've R- been
1: sales director for many, 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 yeah. many years. And, you know, I, I yearned to run a P&L and to lead a group of people and run a business. So it happened within a year of me being there, and that was probably earlier than I expected. It's pretty quick. But interestingly, it was my colleagues that kept saying to me, go and talk to him about being the managing director because you should be. And that was the impetus for me to have that conversation with him to say, you know, it's time you step back and it's time for me to take that new role on. And it's always an uncomfortable conversation to have, but I push myself too. And um, thankfully he was, he was in agreement. He was ready to step back. And I'm grateful that he's there So if I am doubting myself, I can go to him and say, do you think this is the right decision? Uh, We have a little saying at Mamma Mia, it's okay to flern.
0: What's flern?
1: Flerning is learning through failure. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, a digital business moves at a rate of knots.
0: Hourly, right? Right.
1: (laughs) And um, our business is growing by the second. The industry is growing by the second. And so we're moving fast And that's okay as long as you measure twice, cut once. So you've got to do your due diligence. And ultimately, if you make a mistake while you're moving fast, that's okay. You can learn, but make sure you're learning off the back of that so you don't make it again. Mm. So we do encourage our staff to take risks. So that's nice. I make mistakes all the time. Um, I've got my boss to go to, um, you know, to talk about decisions before I make them.
0: And, you know, we're learning. I'm constantly learning. Yeah. Has there been a particular moment where you've you've learned in this GM role?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have quarterly leadership meetings. And at the start of those meetings, we go around the table and we say, okay, what's the big lesson we've learned this quarter? And I always have one. I can't remember, you know, the biggest one right now. But I always have one. Yeah. Because there's always that decision you make that you regret and as long it doesn't break the company you're okay yeah the power Um, of
0: sharing that must be really powerful as well it is
1: it is Um, you know we're all human at the end of the day and we all want to do a great job
0: but it's okay to make those mistakes what surprised you about stepping into the the general manager role (sighs) what surprised me
1: probably the amount of time people need to talk things through. So as sales director, I was very focused on outcomes, converting, keeping clients happy by driving
0: results. Which is pretty fast-moving, I can only imagine. Which is pretty fast-moving
1: and exciting. As managing director, ultimately my job is to put the right people on the right seats, on the right bus, doing the right things. Yeah, And that's what people related. And I I like to make a decision and move on to the next. My biggest surprise has been holding people's hands through that decision-making and talking it through. And I've had to slow myself down, realising particularly women like to talk things through. And that's been my biggest surprising element at Mamma Mia!, Running 120, managing 120 people, 120 women, they like to talk things through.
0: So slowing down, creating that space and time has probably been very different to your natural reflex. Yep. Yep. Has it actually then helped uh, leapfrog things quickly? So actually creating that space?
1: Well, it's allowed me to make the right decisions yep. rather than make Bad ones quickly. (laughs) 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 So keep doing it. So keep doing it, yeah. yeah. And my chairman slows me down, which is terrific.
0: Yeah. So you've also got three young boys. I do. And uh, a beautiful family, full-time job, new position, new role, new everything that you're flirting and loving as you're doing it. I'm a big believer that balance is a bit of a load of crap. But I agree <laughs> with you. There is no balance. There is no balance. There is no balance. So what are the signs for you that you get overwhelmed and what are some strategies that you have to, to deal with
1: that? Um, I get overwhelmed really quickly. Yeah. How do you know? Oh, because I start breathing really quickly. And I think, oh, God, I need, I need to slow this down. Um, and I think, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I stop and I breathe. Um, and I, it, it mostly happens for me in the mornings. The mornings are my trickiest moments throughout the day. I have a really supportive husband who we parent equally. But he works as hard as I do. And so to get the kids up, get them organised for school, make sure they've had some breakfast, drop them off at three different places and be in a meeting by 8.15 or 8.30. That's the trickiest bit for me. And I park my car in the car park, I turn the ignition off and I breathe. And I do that when I return from the day as well. So when I drive in the driveway, I turn my phone off and I breathe because I'm about to then walk into three crazy kids <laughs> who haven't seen me all day and are desperate to download on their days. So breathing is, I oh know it sounds
0: silly. Sound, I know, I've, I've actually really been doing interviews twat. all week yeah. and people are saying, what's your one strategy? And I keep saying breathing and I, I hear myself saying that. It sounds crazy, I, but yeah, geez, it works.
1: It really does. Um, I try to meditate, but it doesn't work really for me. I love to run in the mornings. I never get myself out of bed. As I said, I do Pilates Mondays and Fridays, and that's really my exercise thing. Um, And breathing, turning my phone off when I drive in that driveway, and I don't turn it back on until the kids are in bed. And I've had to learn that over time, and that's a really good tool for me to download, to be in the moment, to actually be able to have conversations with the kids and care about what they're saying back to me, and same with my husband, knowing that that's off, no-one can interrupt me until 8.30, 9 o'clock. Um, that's probably my tools. Look, we have a live-in nanny. Let me be really clear. Mm. I believe in outsourcing. <laughs> you can't do it all, and if you try and do it all, you're going to fail. Mm. And my kids are happier when I outsource because I've got more time for them. So we have a No pair. She's amazing. She looks after our four-year-old during the day, the days he's not at childcare, and then she picks up all the kids after school, takes them to whatever they're doing after school, brings them home, dinner, bath, shower, whatever, tries to help them with homework. That's tricky because they're getting to that age. So when we get home, we're ultimately doing homework with them and then spending time with them before they go to bed. So, yeah, cleaner and an au pair. Yep. That's
0: really helpful. Yeah, giving ourselves permission to outsource is so key. Giving ourselves permission.
1: Um, I try not
0: to play in the guilt space.
1: I've got a lot of beautiful friends who really do feel guilty about working. I can't say I've ever felt guilty about working because I know... It's the right thing for me, and I am a better mum because of it. But don't get me wrong, there are days Mm. where I think they'd probably be better off if I wasn't screaming at them every morning. (laughs) If I was calm and in my pajamas, still haven't got your shoes on. (laughs) So (laughs) don't get me wrong, there are days. But yeah, I'm I'm more proud than guilty that I'm a working mum. Mm.
0: How do you not lose sight of the stuff that's important to you?
1: a great question. I've I've always been grateful for what I have. I was only saying to a client at lunch on Wednesday, you know, if everything went pear-shaped and I had to, Andrew and I had to live in a tiny apartment five hours away, it would be okay because we have each other. It's never been difficult for me to know what's important in life. My family, my friends and my health. Whether it's the way mum and dad brought me up, I I have no idea. But, gosh, if something happened to any of those things, then everything would fall apart. But every single day I'm pretty grateful of what I've got, which is our health and our happiness and laughter.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And carving out the times for that, I know, for me.
1: Exactly. On the weekends... It's funny. We don't do much. We just hang out. Yeah. We just hang out as a family. Yeah. And we catch up with friends, of course. But um, yeah, it's important we're not running around shopping, doing
0: frivolous things. We just hang out with the kids, and I reckon it's important to celebrate that. So often, how was your weekend? Oh, I had a million things. It's like really okay to say my weekend was really slow and we didn't do a whole yeah. lot, and I'm really happy about it. Yeah. yeah, and I and that's ex- that's my weekend coming
1: up, and I, I'm so excited about it. So excited to go home tonight, fish and chips, hang out with the kids, <laughs> and do not much else. Yeah, amazing. You were talking about coping mechanisms. Um, when I was having a tough time at ten where it was that point where it probably wasn't working for me. I hadn't learned in a while and I was stuck in a rut. I had a weekly massage on a Sunday night. A girlfriend had a lady come to her house and she said it was amazing for her. So I, I did the same thing. I can't tell you, that just set me up for the week. So I did that until I got myself to a point where, right, ten's not right for me anymore. Oh, and I did surfing lessons. So I did things just to get me through that period when when I knew it wasn't right for me and I had decided I'm going to leave. Yeah, I just did those little things that were a bit different that either looked after myself physically or spiritually to get me through.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we need to, yeah, create those spaces. Create those spaces. In order to do that. Yeah. So what's exciting you about? What's next? I love the fact that I don't know. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> yeah. Um... Whether it's good or bad,
1: life can just throw you a curveball, right, at any moment in time. And I see that around me every day. So I've got no idea what's next, truly, and I'm excited by that. I love what I'm doing, but who knows where that's going to take me. Um, My kids are growing up too fast. We've just bought a new place, and so I'm focused on getting that sorted. Um... But I don't know. I've got no idea and, yeah, I'm OK with that.
0: Plenty of adventures ahead. Yeah, this plenty of adventures it. ahead. Absolutely. Um, What's next for Mamma Mia as a organisation? Well, you know, we've got, we've got a big,
1: hairy, audacious goal, which is to engage 50 million women globally every day. Um, we reach around 4 million women in Australia today. And, you know, of course, we'll max out at around five or six, because of our population. So it's really important for us to move internationally. And in September of this year, we launched a new site in the States, in New York, called Spring Street. And it's a happy place for smart women. Mia and I went over there. We've been over there a number of times this year. And two things really resonated when we spoke to... We did some focus groups, spoke spoke to lots of advertisers and clients and women. And two things resonated. First thing was that there's no publisher in town, and there's hundreds of millions of them, there's no publisher in town trying to have a meaningful conversation with older women, grown-up women. It's all millennials. The second thing is grown-up women are craving a safe place, a safe haven, some positive news, particularly in America right now. So we thought there's a gap and an opportunity here. So we've created a site, a happy place for smart women or grown-up women, and it's the po- all of the news and the opinion pieces and the content has a positive spin and a positive lens. And it's early days, but um, you know, America needs
0: content like that right now. They're absolutely craving it <laughs> more than ever. So it's had some great ever.
1: organic growth. Yeah,
0: how is it? Yeah, going terrific, there?
1: great. Yeah. We're hitting our targets. Um, we're delivering some terrific content. We're just about to launch a podcast network over there. There's not a lot. Podcasts are going crazy over there, obviously, but not there's not a women's network per se. So we'll be launching that shortly. So focus on our international growth to answer your question, but still always trying to understand what our Australian women want and delivering that to them. Continually improving our product, looking at what physical products we can we can create for women, what utilities um, and delivering Australian women what they want.
0: And that might change next week, which and I love. <laughs> right. Exactly right. I <laughs> absolutely love. Look, the name of this podcast is called Standout Life. If I were to offer that term up to you, what does it mean to live a standout life?
1: To live a standout life. Okay. So to me, a standout life is a life that You're driving, that you're pushing, that you know what your purpose is or your vision is, and you're pushing forward to achieve that. Um, Obviously, a life that fulfills you and that brings a whole heap of happiness and that supports others because a standout life is a life that has empathy and is caring. And supports those around
0: them. So I I imagine that's it. Beautiful. I think that's it. (laughs) It's been (laughs) such a delight to chat with you. Thank you so much, Kylie. Thank you, Ellie. It's been fantastic. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.allisonhill.com.au.